0: Paul put it this way, who shall ever have the power, who or what shall ever have the ability to separate us, to cut us off from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, shall trouble, shall pressure, shall stress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. But in, in all these things, in the middle of all these things just listed, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to cut us off from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Whatever you're standing in the middle of, whatever you have just gone through, whatever seems to be impending and foreboding before you, may you in your spirit, in your knower, may you know in your knower that none of that, none of that has the ability, has the power to change the heart of God for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Amen. Again, that powerful verse, Titus 3, verse 5, but, w- but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, that's Jesus. That's the coming of Jesus. That's the life of Jesus and what he did and what he said. But when the kindness of God our Savior And his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. He rescued us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done, trying to be right, trying to do what's right in his sight, but on the basis of his mercy. On the basis of his mercy, he loved us and he saved us. Anyway, well, welcome. Welcome to Alamo City this morning. Um, a house and a place where we, we, just, we just don't have anything else to do it to except to, excelebr- to celebrate the person of Jesus, you know, and, and to rejoice in his word and, and all of that. All kinds of things change and all kinds of things can go crazy out there. But the one great constant of our lives is who he is and the steadiness of his love, and the strength of his grip, and the purpose that he has for us that we, we just desire to fit in and go with. Lord, take us where you want us to be. Take us where you want us to go. Amen. Well, I'm glad to see you this morning, and I want to ask you to turn with me to um, a book in the Old Testament way back Close to Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then this book, Deuteronomy. And I want you to let me read down through some of these verses that we have read several times before, and we'll pick out one phrase that I believe expresses to us another place, another thing that Jesus wants us to trust him for, where he will say, trust me. Trust me. Moses is speaking for the Lord. And he starts in chapter 28, verse 1 in this way. Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, speaking to the children of Israel, they haven't yet moved into their land of promise, the land of Canaan, that the Lord had been saying for generations, You're going to have that land. It's going to be yours. You're no longer going to be strangers or tenants or aliens in a land. You're going to have your own place. It's a place that I'm promising to you. And when you get in that place, there are things that I'm going to want to bless you with that you've never been blessed with before. Now it shall be if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, Being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. Being careful to do. Being careful to know. Just hold on to that with me. Being careful to do all the things which the Lord commands you this day. The Lord your God will, on the basis of that, set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey, or the word is literally listen to the Lord your God, meaning you listen and you do them, not just listen and go on with something else. But the reason the word listen is equated with obey and they're put together and translated interchangeably so often is because it's saying, the Lord's saying, if you're really listening to me, then you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. You're going to do what you've heard. You haven't really listened if you're not doing what I've instructed you to do. So he, he says it in different ways. He'll use the word obey, he'll use the word listen, but they're used interchangeably. Set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and shall overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. It's as if he's saying there's only one thing to concentrate on. There's only one thing for you, my people, to concentrate on. It's not shopping for the blessings. It's not chasing what you would want but it's just doing what I instruct you to do. Just follow me. Just just do what I'm giving you to do. Jesus would say it in this way, and we've spent a good bit of time on this in recent days, that you seek first the kingdom of God. You seek the presence of the king. You seek the pleasure of the king. You Seek the power of the king. And then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, these blessings will overtake you. Folks, this is just just a powerful principle. You don't have to wear yourself out praying for blessings. You don't have to wear yourself out trying to figure out what combination of Scripture promises is going to get me what I want. There's only one thing to do. And the wonderful joy of it is it's simple, it's direct, it will call forth the, the best that we have to offer, just Lord just say, just do, just do what I'm instructing you to do, and here's what I'm going to do. I will cause the blessings, I will cause the things that you're going to enjoy, I'll cause them to run up behind you, catch you, and to get in front of you, and you'll run into them. You hadn't had to do one thing to chase them down. You just trust me. You just obey me. You listen to what I'm telling you and you do what I'm telling you. I want to bless you. You're not having to convince me. You're not having to make me do something I want to do. It's in my heart to want to bless you because I love you. So if you listen to me, you'll do these things. And then he says, I will cause these All all these blessings, verse 2, to come upon you, run up behind you, come up behind you, and overtake you. Mm. (laughs) If you will obey the Lord your God. And then he starts listing them. Here is how particular, here is how specific, here is how uniquely God wants to bless his people. Blessed Shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country? Now, we need to define the word blessed. Does blessed mean that if I'm really, really blessed, I'm going to live in the most expensive neighborhood in that city? If I'm really blessed, I'm going to own more acreage than anybody else in the county. If I'm really blessed, is that what that means? What does being blessed in the city and being blessed in the country and being blessed in your kitchen and being blessed with your flocks and blessed with your business, what what, what does that mean? You may want to jot this definition down, that Hebrew word for to be blessed means favor. It means a benefit. It means a gift. It means welfare, not not government welfare, but it means that wherever you are, wherever your spot is, wherever your piece of ground would be, you are faring well. But you're living in a place of benefit. You're living in a place of favor. You, You may be staring at the front window looking at the same house across the street, looking at the same vehicle that you've been driving for 35 years, looking at that same oak tree, staring over the top of the same bushes that go across the front of your porch. And you may have been doing that for decades, but down in your heart, you understand that where you are in that place God's given you, It's a place of his favor. It's a place of knowing the benefit of God. It's the place of knowing his pleasure in your life. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the country. I don't have to own the whole countryside. I don't have to live at the top of the hill. If I know in my knower that my God, my Father's favor is resting upon me. I've watched him stretch stuff out when they should have quit, give up, and used up a long time ago. I've seen the favor of God stretch things out. I've seen God keep enemies away. I've seen him, because of his favor, cause neighbors to express kindness and on and on and on you can go. Blessed in the city. The Lord says I want to bless you in the city. I want to bless you in the country, places, settings that are yours where there is the sense of his benefit, the sense of his favor. It's a gift. There's welfare there. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket. Here's the kitchen. Blessed shall be you in your kitchen. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. It's like the Lord is covering every category of our lives He's covering every every particular place a specific place we might be. He's, He's talking about when we go out and when we come in, he knows the steps we take, the movements of our lives, the trips we take, and he's saying, my heart is to just bless the whole thing. Bless everything that is about you. Bless everywhere you go. Bless everything you touch. That's my heart. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you, it's in my heart to bless you. Now, folks, that's where we get in trouble. If we're still having this thing of questioning whether or not the Lord really loves us and and that we're going to have to earn our favor or we're going to have to do enough right to try to somehow undo all the stuff we did wrong and we lose track of the sight of, of, of the truth, that, that he, 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 didn't, he didn't come after us because we had anything to give him. He, he wasn't attracted to us because we were so beautiful or we were so smart or we were so moral or we were so clean or we were so good. It was even at our worst. And with everything that is wrong within us, still somehow he was attracted to what? He was attracted to our need of him. He was attracted by his mercy of the needs and the lacks and the shortfalls and the defeats and the sadnesses and the hurts and the lonelinesses and the sorrows of our lives. That's what draws the God of all heaven to your heart and to my heart. It's not how good we are. It's how much we need him. Now, folks, listen. 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 If you wanna walk in the sense of his presence and walk in the sense of his living love for you, you, you won't be trying to strut into his presence with God, I did this for you and God, I gave up that for you and God, I can do this for you. That's never worked. But what puts you in the place, the target the drop zone of his love to be felt is when we come to him with our broken places, with our incomplete understandings, with the sadnesses and the sorrows and the anxious places as well as the dreams, but none of this stuff about, well, I can do this and I've done that and I've got this many verses memorized and I've been in church that many years. Oh my goodness. You remember that again? But when the kindness of God our Savior, kindness, meaning he came to folks, he would come to folks who were needing kindness, not a reward, not a wage, but he came to folks needing an expression of his kindness. But when the kindness of God and his love for mankind, some way or another, his love for mankind and womankind as we were, as we are, without Christ, without Jesus, without the Bible, without church, without anything, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind and all of mankind's debauchery, he saved us. He saved us. How'd he do it? He went to the cross carrying in his body not all of the right things, all of the good things, but carrying in his body our sins, our sins, the places we had failed him, the places we had lied, stolen, cheated, all had broken his laws. He carried in his body our sins on the tree. And he died on the cross paying for our sins to save us from the consequences that our sins would demand. And he suffered death in our place. He was put to death for our sins. The wages of sin is death. He took our sins, he took our death so that we could live, so that we could be free, so that we could be free. Folks, listen, the only thing that would cause us to be appealing to the one holy God, the only thing is our need of him on the basis of our coming to him with a place of our need then he fills the lack with himself he he, he gives us a new mind, he puts a new heart inside us so so then we do what we do not to try to back God into a corner and out of the good things we've amassed now he has to bless us that has never worked and it never will but what does work draws his heart Lord I I love you because you first loved me. When I didn't have anything to give you, you came for me. When I had nothing to offer you, you still loved me. And I receive you, I receive you, I receive you, and all that you are into my life. Fill me up with yourself and put within me the energy to love you back through the way I live my life through the way I choose to follow you, through the way I choose to help people and care for people and speak your truth and represent your life. If he, if he doesn't love us first, folks, listen, if that doesn't settle in, that he has to love you first, you will never be able to love him back. We love only because, first John says, because he loved us first. Amen. Isn't that something? Let's So here here is this Lord, here is this amazing God who wants to bless his children. His heart is to bless us. His heart is to satisfy the longings of our hearts. But but he knows that in order for that to be done, for us to live in a manner worthy of that, that he's going to have to shower us with his mercy and do a work of change on the inside so that we would, from the heart, want to obey him, want to follow him. These, this long listing of ways that the Lord wanted to bless, written in the book of Deuteronomy, must have come many times, in many ways, to the Jewish people as a point of great frustration. Because God, we understand that you want to bless us, but as time goes on, we're not living in a way that pleases you. And as a result of that, they would see the blessings of the Lord withdrawn, withheld, his protection eventually would be removed off of all of Israel and Nebuchadnezzar would come in and destroy the whole city and the, the people would be taken into captivity. Why? Because they couldn't keep the commandments. But that's why when we take the Lord's Supper, and we hold that cup and Jesus will say, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me, the new covenant would mean. There's no way you can understand this new covenant distinct from the old way of God's dealing with people apart from shot through with it all. It was the ministry, the role, the life of the Holy Spirit of God coming to move inside this old naturally rebellious, cold-hearted heart. And this heart being warmed, not by the rules of God, but by the Spirit of God himself. That he would, when I opened my heart up to receive Christ into my life, it is the Spirit of Christ who comes in. And from the inside out, he now begins to help me to want to do what he has instructed me to do. So that instead of it being something that is so completely contradictory, the ways of God and the ways of man, now somehow because of the Spirit of God working inside me, the ways of God begin to have more of an appeal to me than my old life had. Yeah. The new covenant in my blood, the work of the Spirit to write across the tablet of your heart. Ezekiel would say, and Jeremiah would talk about, I'll write across the tablet of your heart, my commandments. So that from your heart out, you're going to want to do the things that are pleasing in my sight. So that instead of this great restriction being in place, here's the blessing of God, but here's the nature of man. Here's what he wants to do. Bless you in the city and bless you in the country and bless you in your kitchen and bless you when you go out, bless you when you come in. But it's contingent upon living a life that honors him and pleases him without the spirit was impossible to do. Paul would say the, the, the law was, was inadequate in the sense that it, it, would, it would give the requirement, but it fell short on enabling the people. There would be no, no commandment that, he says in Galatians 3, that would have the power to give life. Just reading the Ten Commandments does not mean that as you read and memorize the Ten Commandments off of the page, out of the words of the Ten Commandments, there's going to be the ability coming to keep the commandments. In fact, if anything, the opposite is true. I see what I'm supposed to do, but there's just something going off inside of me that when I see what I'm supposed to do, that's the very thing I don't want to do. Until Jesus, the perfect keeper of the law, the one who expressed the heart of God for the Father himself, but also for us. When he comes to live inside us, folks, things begin to change. The things we didn't think we could ever not do, somehow they lose their ability to create an appetite inside us that controls us. And the things that we, we thought we could never do in one sense, we, we, we find ourselves drawn to. Why? why? Why are some of you sitting here clothed and in your right mind on a Sunday morning? Tell me, please. Not because all of a sudden you just woke up and said, like I don't like the taste of whiskey anymore. I just don't think I want to dance all night long until I drop at three in the morning. Something happened. For whatever reason, the things that used to define your life, and I just pick out one or two or three. We fill in our own blanks. I don't do those things anymore because I don't want to do those things anymore. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell if I do, They've just lost their ability to control me. I got got another set of want to working inside me, folks. That is what happens when the real Jesus moves into your chest and begins to make his presence known. He's not there to cripple you. He's not there to beat you up. He's not there to deprive you. He's not there to destroy you. He's there to do his work of amazing, wonderful changing in the want-tos of our lives, in the direction that please Him. That being said, somewhere or I don't know how you got me so off, 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 and all that, but let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. Look at these words again. Verse 8, The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Verse 11, and the Lord will make you, the Lord will make you, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body and the offspring of your beasts, and the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. In the place where he's planted you, in the place of his choice for you, he desires to bless you. He desires to bless you in every dimension of your life, in every hour and season in your life. That's his heart. And here comes this line again. The Lord will open for you, his good storehouse the heavens to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hands and you shall lend to many nations but shall not borrow the lord shall make you the head and not the tail you shall not only be above you shall only be above and you shall not be underneath if you will listen to the commandments of the lord your god which i charge you today to observe them carefully. Here is that phrase, to bless all the works of your hands. I believe the Lord Jesus would say to us today, trust me, trust me. I want to bless all the works of your hand. If you make your living with a pair of channel locks and a Phillips head, or you make your living with a keyboard. Or you make your living communicating in various ways and dealing with people and business and walking and sitting and handling the whatever it is that is the category of your life that God has set you in, brought you into. Here's what you wonderfully need to understand he never intended you to feel alone in that place. And here's what I mean by that. You can have somebody who would say, I'm going to be with you, but they can't pick up a paper clip. Or they, they, couldn't, say, they couldn't say boo to the local cat that comes by the door of your office they're scared, they're weak, they're sympathetic, but there's nothing they can do to really help you in your plan. I'm there for you, but I'm weak and I'm scared. I'm there for you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying everything that comes through your life, everything that comes to your life, matters to me because it matters to you and if you will do what you do with your channel locks and your Phillips head with your if you will do what you do honoring me seeking to please me seeking me first then i will be there in the middle of your life with you And there are enemies that will come. But the enemies will come at you one way, and I'll see to it that they leave in seven ways. I'll bless you in your kitchen. I'll bless you at your desk. I'll bless you in your barn. I'll bless you with your employees. I'll bless you with your livestock. I want to bless you. Just honor me. Just honor me. Understand, I am the one who has given you the ability to do these things anyway. You're not a self-made man. You're not a self-made woman. You suck air that I gave you. Lungs process the air. I gave you the lungs and the air. You got eyes that blink and a mind that can see I gave it all to you, and I want to bless you, and I want you to know the depth of my love for you, that in the most secret, the most detailed, the most intricate, as well as the biggest parts of your life, you will find me busy. You will find me engaged if you will set the sight of your life to honor me first, and Realize that the company that hired you didn't give you birth. The occupation that you pursue doesn't have the power to keep your heart pumping. That's me. I love you. And I want you to let me be involved in every category of your life, because I want to bless you. I want to bless the work of your hands. I want to bless the work of your hands. Now, there are two parts to that. I want to bless through you the works of your hands, and I want to bless to you the works of your hand. Go all the way cross-country, many centuries, and a bunch of books in your Bible, and find the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. I want you to let me read this story to you out of the life of Jesus. Greatest expression to be found anywhere in the Bible of the heart of the Father to bless the works of our hands is seen in the life of Jesus in many, many ways. Mark 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and they entreated him. They pled with Jesus. They begged Jesus to touch him because they'd seen evidently what had happened when Jesus touched other conditions. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, out away from the crowd. Now watch this. After spitting on his eyes and laying his hands upon him, he asked him, Do you see anything? I just love the story. I just love the story. It is not that the Lord didn't know the outcome, but it's an encouragement to us to keep praying. He said, just pray one time, pray one time. That's it. That's it. I prayed, I prayed, that's it. Nothing happened. Well, the Lord did what he did and asked the blind man, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men. I'm seeing them like trees walking about, blurred, tall cylindrical images evidently. Then again, he, Jesus, laid his hands upon his eyes. And the man looked intently, or he looked intently and was restored and he began to see everything clearly. He wants folks to bless through our hands, through our hands. Turn over a couple of pages. Chapter 10, verse 13, same book, Mark. And they were bringing children to him so that he might, what, touch them. The disciples rebuked them but when Jesus saw this he was indignant said to them his disciples permit the children to come to me do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter in at all and look at verse 16 and he took them he took the children in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands upon them to bless the work of your hands. The word to bless in the New Testament here means two things. It means to speak well of and it means to consecrate to God, to give to God, to dedicate to God. Jesus out of all the other things that he could have been doing, the ones who were trying to keep his calendar and keep him on track, his handlers, messed up. Keep the kids away. Keep the kids away. Mamas, take your babies away. We don't have time for that. And Jesus just shut it down. And he said, oh, yes, we do. He took them <laughs> up in his arms. Have you ever noticed how when a child, a little child, has a perfectly great opportunity to show how well behaved and how well trained they are, that they take that same exact instance to prove just the opposite. (laughs) So who knows, who who knows what those babies were doing? They weren't lying there like a corpse, (laughs) climbing and pulling and, talking and looking and getting up from behind his back and hanging on nowhere. He took them up in his arms and he laid his hands on them. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Spoke favorably of them. He knew every sin they would commit. He knew that they weren't going to be perfect children even though their grandmothers thought that they always would be. He knew the truth. But he spoke well of them. And he dedicated them, the meaning of the word, he dedicated them to the Lord. He laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. Folks, Jesus would say in John chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he, shall she do also. And greater works than these, shall i do because i go to the father don't minimize don't ignore don't be oblivious to the significance the greatness even the miraculous power to encourage to refresh to restore even to heal and to deliver that may come through your hands. I wanna bless the work of your hands, the blessings that flow through you. Early Saturday morning, about one o'clock in the morning, we got a call from Houston. And Wanda, our sister-in-law, the wife of Shirley's younger brother, Brad, called to say that Brad had gone home, had gone home to be with the Lord. For four or five years, he's battled stomach cancer, came back with a vengeance in the fall, and he went home to be with the Lord. A about midnight, Friday night. Now, Brad never pastored a church. He never wrote a book. He never ran for political office. He never owned and ran a multi million dollar company. But I have been absolutely amazed. at what is rising up, not just from the ones his age who would know him, 59 years old, but the younger generations, the children in a sense, and what they've said about him. Uncle Brad, one of the nieces wrote, I've never had a car that doesn't somewhere and in a bunch of places have Uncle Brad's fingerprints on it. If it was changing the oil, doing a break job, working on the whatever, with the air conditioner, what, he just knew how to do things. He, he, something breaks and Brad just knew how to fix it. His aged mom lost Shirley's dad, her, her husband years ago, Brad, stepped into that role and not too terribly far in Houston and he would take her out to dinner and fix her lights. So she, she didn't even know how to gas up her car at HEB because Brad has so consistently done that. They tell stories about Brad. The kids tell stories about Uncle Brad. And he didn't understand why a girl couldn't play football. He didn't know why a child couldn't do the best, be the best, in strange and unusual. He just had a way of encouraging and building them up. He never grew up entirely, okay? I mean, that's part of why the kids just loved him. I, I, I remember this. I remember this like it was yesterday. He, they had a swimming pool outside, right outside their house, and he decided that it would be possible if you landed right to jump out of the second-story window and hit the deep end of the pool. Did it? They had water balloon launchers. You know those things, big rubber band deals, a couple. (laughs) He's the adult in charge. Okay, so. He gets the kids, he's babysitting the crew, and he gets in the backyard. And they, from an anonymous, unknown position, just were launching these. Little did they know that right where one of them landed would be right on top of a squad car, Houston Police Department squad car. Of course, there was nobody to be found when they came checking to see who had caused that problem. The stories just go on and on and on. But I'm going to tell you this that strikes me about Brad. It was with the works of his hands that he just blessed people. And 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 the the doing of that was great encouragement to, to people. I don't know that he, he he was big on writing, but he was good with a screwdriver, and he could figure out AC and electrical problems, and plumbing situations just never seemed to bother him, and anything auto mechanics just he could just handle. And it was. Never about what are you going to pay me to do it. It was about you have a need, and you matter to me, and I think I can help you. Now, folks, listen. There can be some folks that can quote Scripture four hours straight and never stutter. There can be folks who can give you the rest of rules, rules why you shouldn't do that, why you better not do that, why God's mad at you if you ever do that. Who hears them? Who hears it? But you take a guy who may not be a big church person. You may not be able to find Amos without the table of contents. But people around him just know I matter to him. He cares about me because he helped me. Folks, I'm not trying to make a saint out of a brother-in-law. You you know how far that works. but, But in the sense that he expressed what it meant to bless with his hands, He rises up as a great example in many ways, similar to the example that Jesus left for these mamas and these babies and those who are watching. I bless you. I care about you. I want to help you because you matter to me. Where I'm going with that is this. Some of you right now, right now, there was a face or a name coming up in your mind. You can blow that off. Well, they wouldn't. If I send them a text, if I send them an email, if I called them, if I want to, it, it wouldn't matter to them. It wouldn't matter to them. But listen, you're forgetting something. The Lord says, "I want to bless the work of your hands." What? What if? What if just the memory of that person, what if just the, 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 the substance of what you feel like you need to say or would want to say, what if that didn't originate with you? What if that came out of heaven? What if you were to be and the Lord ordained that you should be the hands of God and expressing the heart of God into that life? Now as you type it, as you do whatever you do, you're praying, Lord, bless the work of my hands would you bless the work of my hands for this again my brother-in-law God is not mocked Paul says you're going to reap what you sow you're going to reap what you sow at the time of death at the time of Brad's going to be with the Lord here comes this harvest from every point on the compass and all kinds of different ages and it's coming in and rolling in and rolling in, rolling in. There are people saying, he was my best friend. 400 people saying he was my best friend. Why? He wasn't a rock star. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't the head of anything. He hadn't given out millions of dollars free. It was the works of his hands that said, you matter. You matter. I care about, you. the harvest is coming in. Folks, here's the deal. Wherever we're seeing lack in our lives, wherever it seems like nobody cares or, or we don't have this or we don't have that, the, the automatic checkup needs to be, well, then what kind of harvest have I sown? Well, I'm just waiting for somebody to reach out to me. You know what that is? That's about as smart understanding this kingdom principle as a a farmer out of Pleasanton. You know, I'm I'm just believing that I'm going to have this incredible grain per acre, bushel per acre harvest of milo or corn this year. It's going to be the biggest thing that I've ever seen. I'm just believing that it's going to happen. And he sits there in his chair. He never gases up his diesel tractor. He never hooks up a plow, never hooks up the, the, the planter, hadn't even bought the seed. And he's staring at a blank field, believing there's a harvest that's going to come in, and he hadn't sowed a thing. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this and this only he will reap. So the point there is, if, if, if we're lacking something, if we feel like we don't have a friend, be a friend. I'm not trying to be corny. You say, well, I got to, you know, how do you do that? Well, you just, you just start somewhere. You'd be a blessing. I, I told the early service, you know, I, it's wonderful as a pastor to get notes and, and you know, some, some, some of them, thankfully, are encouraging, some, some of the other kind. You know, but if, if, if if I really wanted to be encouraged, there's sometimes in my life when, when a dear sister would just, I would just smell it coming through the office door. I could smell it. Blackberry cobbler, crust on the top, crust on the bottom Blackberry, Blackberry, Blackberry. Go take me back to my old, my Mississippi roots. How I was brought up. I could have gotten a handwritten note from Billy Graham <laughs> that would not have meant as much to this sagging spirit as, as just the smell of that homemade, handmade Blackberry cobbler. <laughs> don't minimize, don't minimize what God has given you the ability to do. Now that's in a tangible sense, but also, folks, listen. Jesus will say, what I've done, you will do also in greater works than these. You you find yourself burdened for somebody and, and there's somebody around you that's sick or somebody whose heart is broken. What did Jesus do? He would lay his hands on and it's not like we had to clear our throats and get everybody out of the room and dim the lights and, you know, and, and make it like some kind of interrogation. Jesus took this, the, the blind fellow out away from the crowd when he did what he did. Could I just pray with you? Could you come with me into my office? Could I meet you in the park? Could you, could i just meet you at the break room, but could I just pray? And sometimes you just got to pray with your eyes wide open. You can't shut your eyes. Just pray with your eyes wide open. Lord, I bless this when I thank you for this life. I thank you for the plans that you have for this life. And I thank you that all authority has been given in you in heaven and on earth. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to fix this, to heal this broken. you have having to whisper, the stage whisper, and your eyes are wide open. Nobody else knows. You're not trying to embarrass them. You're not trying to call attention. But you're realizing the Lord means it when he says, I want to bless the work of your hands. Step into it. Do as you would sense your spirit prompting you. Do. I might have to stop there. There's another whole section about the Lord blessing to you, bringing blessings to you. That's so much a part of that Deuteronomy 28 passage, but then you read the Malachi 3 passage and it's the same word the blessing, but now the blessings have been lost. And the blessings had been lost because the people were spending whatever they had, whatever they made through the product, the work of their hands on themselves. And they were they were failing to honor the Lord with his portion first. And so, as a result of that, financially, economically, materially, shrinkage was coming because they were spending everything on themselves. And the Lord just says there's a way to fix that, and it can be fixed quickly. You bring the whole tithe, the first 10% of that which I've blessed you with, this in the land, the land that I want to bless you with, in the ways that I want to bless you, you bring the first 10% into my storehouse so that in my house there will be opportunity and means to meet the needs of other people who are not in the place of as great a blessing as you have been. I want you in on my mercy ministry in the world, so you bring it here. And then he just says, "You, you test me now and see. He's saying there is, there is a cause and an effect here. There is a reason why. There's shrinkage. There's a reason why deals are not coming through and crops are casting, vines are casting their grapes prematurely. It, it's because the one, the one who has the power to command the blessing and to bring the blessing sees what you've done and is grieved. And so as a result... What he's able to bless with is held off, but he says there's a way to fix it, there's a way to fix it, there's a way to fix it. I want to bless the work of your hands, but you bring to me the first 10% of that which I'm blessing you with. That way you're setting me at the center of your financial world, and it's, it, it's also, that, that is proving to me that I can trust you with more. 10% doesn't change, the amount may change, 10% of $100. But what if he's wanting 10% of 100 million? He sees sees what we will obey him in and honor him with, and as he sees that, he says, you watch. I'll open the wonders of heaven, and in agricultural economy, I will pour out. Rain was cash. Rain meant money. Rain meant harvest. You out of your poverty, wait till a ship comes in, out of your poverty, out of your lack, right now, right now, you bring the first 10%, and then you just back up, and you watch the heavens. I'm giving you permission to test me, to see if I will not open the heavens and pour out for you a blessing too great to be contained. Now again, what's blessing? Blessing is provision, blessing is supply, but blessing is the sense of the favor of the Lord, the blessing is the sense of welfare to family and and, and who you are on the inside and so forth. I find myself getting so wound up about that, particularly with with young believers and, and ones just stepping into the walk with the Lord. There is no more significant financial point of advice than to honor the Lord with the first of that which he blesses you with. Don't, 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 don't insult him by flipping him a quarter at the end of when you paid every other bill. We don't even have to know the Lord to have that kind of memorized, shrunk generosity. But he says, I give you permission to test me. You bring to me out of the first First, check your right. First, amount you give out of that which I bless you with, you bring that to me, and then you watch. If I will not open the windows, rebuke the devourer, what's eating up what you have and causing deals not to come through. I'll handle that, and then I'll, rend the window, open the windows of heaven and bless. If you will just honor me. Now, look, I don't. I really. It doesn't matter to me if you agree with that. It doesn't matter one bit if somebody walked in here and said oh, he's just talking about money again. You you can you can put that in your little old pipe and smoke it all day long, and it won't phase one bit how strongly I feel about this truth. You do it, and watch what the Lord will do for you in your life. And again, it's not I do this, and boy, I just I just I've already got it figured out. That color of Bentley that I want. And, and, and then I got my spot picked out on the high top of the mountain somewhere in the hill country and that's going to be my spot. So I just, I'm going to do this to get that. No, no. It may just be, yeah, that could happen. God can do that. He can do that. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, gold never mind. He can do that. But you can have that and not have your kids. You can have that and not be able to keep a wife or a husband. You can have that and die alone filthy rich, but dying alone. Nobody will walk across the street for your soul. But on the other hand, you've sown seeds. You've sown for a good harvest to honor the Lord and to bless people with the works of your hand. And whatever comes back in, whatever the Lord brings back into your life, because you've sown in righteousness, Sown with a heart, that's right. Bring it back. Harvest of righteousness, harvest of right things, harvest of good things, amen. Preach it, preacher. Stomp your foot, yes. It's true, it's true. Somebody said, well, once we get enough money, we'll start the tithe. No, no, now, we don't have a dime. One of, those belong, one of those cents belongs to the Lord. That's right. We ain't got $100. Okay. Start with the 10. That's right. So Lord, we want to honor you. We want you to be in the center of our financial world. Now again, a lot of folks listening are not Alamo City regulars. So this isn't about you just writing checks to Alamo City. That's not it. Somewhere where there is a place as a believer that you're being fed spiritually and you believe it is a place where the needs of the the needy are being met. One whole wing of this building is nothing but a storehouse for folks to come and get food. We don't don't hand out cash, but if you're hungry, we can feed you. If you need a coat, we can give you a coat. We can take care of you with the tangible things, but we don't pass out cash. Somewhere, Where you may be, there there ministries like, place like that, church like that, get in on the center of that verse, and the Lord says, I give you permission to test me. I want to bless the work of your hands. Coupled with that is, you honor me with that which belongs to me, and you watch how I will bless the work of your hands. Lord, will you take this where this needs to go this morning and will you register what needs to connect in our spirits and our hearts with your heart, with your truth. I thank you, Lord, for the brothers and the sisters who for years in so many lives have blessed others with the works of their hands. And as they have done that, you have used them powerfully and mightily, though they have never known that or sensed that. But they literally had become the hands of the Lord, the expression of the Lord's heart to bring a meal or to fix and change out a window unit or a... Just be there and love ones in their place of need. Oh Lord, I thank you today for, for Brad Morrow and I thank you for his life. Thank you for what he did, how he lived his life. Thank you that he's home with you now. Thank you that the harvest continues to come in. May we, may we take an example from his life, just hearing about it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.